Welcome to Locked On Gators, your daily Florida Gators podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Zach Goodall. Make sure to throw me a follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall, as well as my co-host, Demetrius Harvey. You can find him at Demetrius82. But most importantly, go ahead and make sure to follow the Locked On Gators handle at Locked On Gators while you are on the Bird Tweeting app. Demetrius, say what's up to the people. How's it going, everybody? I hope you enjoyed our last couple episodes, and we're finally getting into the swing of things, so I hope you enjoy this episode, too. Yeah, we're starting to roll, and while we're rolling, make sure to roll your way over to iTunes and leave us a review. Make sure to subscribe. Let us know what you think of the show so far. We really want to hear your feedback as to what we're doing well, what we're not doing so well, if quality's good, if you like the way we set things up, the whole nine yards. Make sure to let us know what we're doing for good or bad over social media, uh, on Twitter, in the reviews, anywhere. Just make sure to let us know as soon as possible, and we'll continue to sharpen up this show as best as possible. Today, we're going to talk about a couple of different things. We're going to start off with some news that came out on late Tuesday about Jordan Pouncey, the wide receiver, gaining his immediate eligibility. That entire situation was always weird to me, and we'll get into the details in a little bit, but now... He is eligible to play for Florida whenever he is recovered from an injury that Dan Mullen said he had uh, been dealing with, I guess, throughout camp. Demetrius even asked him about him at one point, and that's when he said that he had been dealing with something. So we don't know exactly when he's going to take the field, but we know that in terms of eligibility, he is now able to. On the defensive side of the ball, we talked to a uh, couple of players so far. We talked to Brenton Cox tonight. He alluded to the idea of some players coming back at some point. We don't know exactly who that means. However, being a defensive lineman and the ups and downs they've had up front so far, we are going to talk about a guy that we're waiting to see if he comes back, that being nose tackle Kyrie Campbell and just what he could do for this defensive line. Last but not least, we'll talk about some depth chart moves that were made. They were pretty small, so there won't be a ton to go into it, but Jadon Hill was named the starting outside cornerback while Marco Wilson is now officially your starting star. That should be of no surprise because he has, I believe, 127 snaps so far at nickel uh, this season. Compared to C.J. McWilliams, who was named the starter, I think he's got five. So plenty of stuff to talk about, a lot of exciting things. We'll start on the offensive side of the ball with Pouncey, Demetrius, this news came out last night. What do you think this does right out the gate for Florida's passing offense? Well, I mean, right right off the bat, it adds another weapon for quarterback Kyle Trask. It adds another weapon for Dan Mullen and his offense to get rolling. And um, they don't have too too many of of, of a lack of weapons here. I mean, (laughs) if you look at it, they have Kadarius Toney, they have Trayvon Grimes, they have Trent Whittemore. They have Jacob Copen, Justin Shorter, Xavier Henderson. They have a bunch of uh, of a weapon. So it's going to be interesting to see how they incorporate Jordan into the lineup, if they even do early on. But I think that this at least gives them some insurance in case a, a, a guy goes down or maybe they just want to test him out in the slot and see what he can do. But he's a guy that they were clearly high on. They wanted to transfer to Florida, and he did. And now he's granted eligibility. Now, obviously, the eligibility stuff, Dan Mullins has always spoken out against or about eligibility and how the NCAA dictates that. And I think that that's going to be a big part of the storyline moving forward for Jordan and other players that are trying to seek it. Florida has 
I believe, and I'm doing the math right, right now because my internet is a little bit slow, so work with me here as I stall. 7, 8, 9, 10, 11 receiver, different receivers have caught a pass. That's what I thought. I just wanted to double check. And that doesn't include Pouncey. That doesn't include Rick Wells. I believe that's got, yeah, that's got all three of the running backs. So I'm not sure there's many guys missing at this point. But yeah, there's another two guys that have yet to catch a pass. That happens through three games. You've got the entire pass catching core all with a ball in their hands. They're, they're sitting pretty well. They're, they're sitting pretty. They really are. And the thing is, is like this Gators offense, and it, it's actually incredible because when they first talk about it, how they spread the ball out, how they don't have a true number one wide receiver. You kind of laugh at it because you're like, yeah, of course you have a true number one wide receiver. Who doesn't? I mean, it's it's the Gators. Dan Mullen doesn't care. Um, uh, wide receiver coach Gonzalez doesn't care. They just use whatever weapons they have, and they use them effectively. Kadarius Tony has been playing in the slot. He already has 11 catches, but everybody else, you know, 12 catches for Kyle Pitts. Everybody else is five and under. Mm-hmm. That's how they use their wide receivers. They they just put them in there. They see if they can get a couple catches, and they have fresh legs every single play, it looks like. Mm-hmm. Nine of these guys out of the 11 have multiple receptions, so that's another testament. And again, these are only three two games. It's crazy. It's all about matchups. It's not about specific guys that they want to force feed the ball to. They tell us that, and like you said, it's almost like a little bit laughable. It's not the norm. It's not what we're used to, especially in college, because this type of talent is a luxury in your receiving core. It seems like it could potentially be a yearly thing, and we'll see what shorter, or no, I'm not sorry, not shorter, but Pouncey is able to provide. He's a guy that I, I believe he primarily, if not only, played in the slot at Texas, and granted, he did not play very much there. He only had two receptions for 19 yards in his career, uh, three years there. But he's a guy that, you know, at least he provides some experience in the slot. Maybe he could work outside as a Z receiver and play on the strong side of a formation with a slot next to him and run some combos. Because he's got decent agility. It looks like he can make stuff happen on underneath routes based on his high school tape, at least. I, I see the potential for him in an offense where Kyle Trask is the quarterback and it's really rhythmic and... Maybe he'll be able to do something in the slot in that rotation with Tony and Whittemore. That's what they're going to hope for. And and just kind of going back to to how they how much they spread the ball out last year. Obviously, they had four wide receivers going to the NFL, and they spread the ball out a lot there too. I think Van Jefferson had the most out of all four at six hundred and fifty something receiving yards, and it, it didn't matter. He went in the second round. The other guys, you know, they went like round six, round seven, undrafted, but they're all in the NFL, and that and that's all that matters at the end of the day for most of these guys. And so I think that this is a, a method that's been proven to work. So adding a guy like Jordan Pouncey, it doesn't mean that he's going to be featured heavily, but it could mean that down the line, this guy's going to be relied on. And so the more players that they can have, the better it will be. Kyle Trask is going to be able to spread the ball out, and that's what they want to do. I'll tell you what, the defensive side of the ball needs some more players, though. They, they they could use some more depth. They could use getting some guys back. It sounds like that could be on the way. Dan Mullins called guys, expects everybody to be available, in his own words, give or take. Every week he says it. We don't know exactly when it's going to happen, but now the players are starting to even hint at that kind of stuff defensively. When we come back, we'll be talking about what Britton Cox had to say with the media tonight. 
the idea of getting Kyrie Campbell back into this defense and exactly how much of a benefit that would provide. Hey guys, this is Zach Goodall with the Locked On Gators podcast. Now as a podcast host and a full-time writer, I'll tell you what, I need a lot of energy to get myself through the day and I drink a lot of coffee as is and every now and then I go towards an energy drink and I just don't feel that good about it afterwards. Well, that's changed ever since I started drinking Built Go. Brought to you by my personal favorite protein bar, Built Bar. It's the same company that's bringing you this. It's a healthy alternative to those five-hour energies, those Red Bulls, those monsters that are out there. They're small. They're easy to keep with you. They're only 1.5 ounces, and they come in three delicious flavors. My personal favorite being the peanut butter honey, but you could also get the chocolate coconut and the chocolate mint. It's like five-hour energies. It's just It's without that crash feeling, and it's way more natural for you. Talk about collagen protein going in there, filled with that stuff, so it's fast-absorbing, gets into your system quickly, and it's very easy on your stomach. After that, you've got some beta-alanine, B3 vitamins, honey, a kick of caffeine, B6, and B12 vitamins. So talk about putting a bunch of good stuff into your system and getting energy along the way. Make sure to go and check out Built Go. Visit BuiltGo.com and use promo code LOCKED, and you'll get 30% off your next order. Use promo code LOCKED at BuiltGo.com for 30% off your next order. Tell them Zach sent you and get the peanut butter honey while you're at it. How well uh, does Todd Grantham's attacking defense suit you? Um, I think it's 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 an interesting defense. Um, we got a lot of people coming from everywhere. I think it gives me a, um, it opens opens up for me to get more sacks since we have uh, we got a lot of pressure coming. So um, yeah, I love I love it. I love the defense. Yeah. Do Do you feel like we're just you guys are just kind of scratching the surface? I mean, there's a lot of new faces. You're missing some depth and experience. Do you? You feel like we really haven't seen anything from this defense yet? I mean, the first two games, I was going to be a struggle. Um, I feel like we have so much more to show, to show um, on defense. We got a lot of talented guys. Um, the DBs, they're talented. We got an older group um, starting. so and, and we're getting a lot of guys back. So we should show a lot these, over, uh, the next, over the next couple games. Britton Cox, as you just heard him say, they are working on getting a lot of guys back, and he expects things to look different for the defense in the next coming games. It's going to be quite the test. They're going to Texas A&M to face the number one or number twenty-one Texas A&M Aggies, and Kellen Mond, who's an experienced quarterback in the SEC, a dual threat. And then the week after that, they're going to host the number seventeen LSU Tigers here in the swamp. And even though it's a new look offense, it's not a team that can be taken lightly. This defense has not been that good. We've talked about it so far. But the defensive line, we've seen some potential in some areas and some times where it's not. We've seen some potential out of Brenton Cox, though, so far. Yeah, we, we, we've we seen potential out of Brenton Cox. And I think that anytime a player comes in to a new system and he hasn't spent time on the actual playing field in a game, yeah, he's been around because he had to sit out a year for you know transfer purposes. But anytime you get a guy that hasn't exactly played in a game with all of his guys in a fast, fast-paced SEC, which maybe not everybody expected this year, it's been really fast-paced. And they played so many snaps, and 
he just hasn't necessarily been the guy at Buck, but he's been pretty darn good, in my opinion, just in terms of how he's able to play all along the defensive line. He plays defensive end and Buck. He talked about it earlier, how he's working with both Todd Grantham, who works with the Bucks, and then also with um, – help me out here, Zach. Um, David Turner. David right. Turner. Sorry, yeah. guys. I just I just drew a blank. No, you're good. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so so he he he's worked on on both sides of the defensive line, and and they're going to try to move him around as much as they can to provide something. And he's he's been able to get a little bit of a pass rush out outside there. But I guess at the end of the day, what you want to see from him is is him growing into a complete player where he's able to play against the run, play against the pass, and do it evenly. And I think that that's what we're going to have to try to see over the next eight games of the season. Yeah, I think we've seen a lot of pass rushing effort in just these traits that we love, but we want to see him used more consistently with more of a pass rushing plan, more of a run defending plan, like beyond just throwing your nasty spin move in there to do it. Like it looks great, but there needs to just be a more of a plan in his consistent game. Now, something that could help with the consistency on the defensive line would be the return of nose tackle Kyrie Campbell. He was viewed as the leader of this line entering the season. He was a projected starter at nose tackle. He's got ample experience, probably definitely the most experience on this defensive line uh, as a starter, bar none. So whenever he does return this year, if he does, that's going to provide a major upgrade to the defensive line, no doubt about it. And, you know, he didn't say any names, but Brenton Cox hinted that some guys could be coming back to help the defense soon. So you'd figure him, Brad Stewart, those are the two main guys that have been left off of the depth, or not left off the depth chart, but haven't been playing so far. Yeah, and, you know, you talk about a guy like Kyrie Campbell. Heading into the season, he was the guy at Nostack. I don't think anybody, anybody could have imagined that he would miss the first two games for whatever reason. And... He really means a lot to this defense. Todd Grantham talked about it earlier today. You know, he said that he's a core part of the program. You know, when when he came in, they were going to try to redshirt him, but then they saw his passion and his energy, and they said, nope, we got to play this guy. And having somebody like that, I don't think it can be overstated in, in what that could mean for a defensive front, for defense in general. You need that high-energy player to be able to, lift up the defense sometimes they're you know kind of going through the motions and and they kind of look like they are at times just like they did against South Carolina allowing that long drive at the end sure that they were trying to allow them to chew up some clock but at the end of the day Todd Grantham says you want to just get them done but you 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 want to get them off the field that's that's the end goal at the end of the day so having a guy like Kyrie Campbell if he's able to come back that's going to be a major boost to, to the defensive line and I think that Todd Grantham and, and David Turner and everybody else on the Gators defensive staff is going to be elated. Um, if you can just get a guy like that back into the room, he's going to allow his energy, his efforts, and everything to bleed into that, that group. And then obviously the rest of the defense should hopefully, or they hope, for it to go back up. Yeah, and I think that would allow them to get a lot more flexible in what they're doing because we've talked about Zachary Carter being a standout player on this defensive line, mainly playing inside but doing a bit of both. They could really use a guy like him on the outside with their current run defense and the lack of an edge they can set. They could use a 6'4", 290-pound long defender out there on the strong side. Having Kyrie would allow them to play TJ Slayton, who I thought for the most part looked better against South Carolina than he did against Ole Miss. 
maybe let him play some early down three tech to just give the interior the three defensive line spots the nose with Kyrie at 6'3", 300 plus Slayton at 6'5", 335 plus or wherever he's at Carter 6'4", 290 suddenly you're talking about a big beefy run defense at that point it, it, it totally changes the game it lets Carter play on the outside where he is strong as a run defender and then you can get creative on third downs whether Kyrie's on the field or not, you don't necessarily need him to be. You could get fun and move Carter inside and play Dexter. You get Slayton and Campbell those downs to truly get fresh where their impact could be felt so much more on first and second down. Yeah, you, you really can. And, and you and you talked about Dexter. I think that's another reason why you need a guy like Kyrie Campbell to come back. You, you can't it, it, it's really difficult for a team to go in and just expect a freshman guy like like Dexter to just play well right off the bat. And yeah, he has the athleticism, he has the size, but it's a matter of him never playing in college football before, never having a spring, didn't really have too much of a fall. He wasn't able to get acclimated to what he's going to be expected to do on defense. So he's going to be able to be out of position a lot. And you can't play a guy like that in an SEC game where – this season, really, every game matters. You can't lose a game. You can't afford to lose a game because you're playing freshman. Mm-hmm. Sure that this is going to be a, a free season for a lot of people, but this isn't a free season for the coaching staff. This isn't a free season for Kyle Trask, who's probably going to leave regardless of what happens this year. This isn't a free season for Kyle Pitts, who's going to leave. It's just one of those things where you have to play the best guys you, you have, and if you can get a guy like Campbell back, it's going to be really, really good. Yeah, 100%. And we'll see exactly what happens. Again, Mullen has said guy he expects everybody to be available, but we'll uh we'll know for sure who is and who isn't right after kickoff when we get the email of the unavailable list on Saturday. When we come back, we are going to be sticking on the defensive side of the ball. We're going to be moving to the secondary with some depth chart moves and exactly what they mean. On Florida's week three, unofficial, official, whatever you want to call it, depth chart, Dan Mullen doesn't look at it anyway. Marco Wilson was named the official starting star, while sophomore Jadon Hill was named the starting outside cornerback. Former starting star, CJ McWilliams, who has played a whopping five snaps this year on defense, has moved to backup outside cornerback behind Hill. So this this really should not come as a surprise to anyone because Wilson has been in the slot for quite some time now, and Hill has come out and also been a baller, quite frankly, at outside cornerback. He's got three pass breakups, including a clutch one on third down on the Gamecocks final drive where they were very close to scoring a touchdown um, before the turnover on downs. And that was just one example of what he's been able to do you got to like what both of them provide. However, you kind of talked about it before, Demetrius. We do want to see a little bit more out of Wilson. Yeah, and and it's not necessarily – it's one of those things where Marco has shown everybody what he can do. He's shown how how much he means to this Gators defense, especially the secondary, in that he's able to play at a high level. So for him to not play at that high level, the, the standards that he set for himself, that's the thing that frustrates everybody who's looking on, you know, expecting this guy to actually, you know, perform to the best of his ability. And I'm sure he, he knows that. So it's one of the things where 
you're going to put him back at star. He's played a lot of star before coming into the season. Everybody assumed that he would probably be the starting star either him or Bernie. Bernie. Yeah. Yeah. So if you think about it, this is kind of the alignment that everybody expected, except for maybe Jadon, you might've expected Chester to play there because he did play some in the orange bowl outside, but Honestly, Jadon's been looking pretty good. It, from what I saw, the, the the pass breakup he had, the the coverages he was able to put up, it, it just seemed like it fit better on the defense. And now that they have a they have their set defense, maybe now we'll start to see some more consistency out of that unit. I believe it was PFF. The stat might not be exactly correct in the way they worded it, but it was single coverage. He has yet to allow a yard. I think he's like one of the top three guys or whatever, something along those lines. I don't have the exact stat, but I know I've retweeted it. Donovan's retweeted it. It's something along those. I truly think so far he's been their best cornerback just in terms of what he's given up versus what he's done to create plays on the ball. Haven't really seen a ton of tackling for better or worse from him. He's not been coming down and making huge plays. He also haven't been, you you haven't been sitting back and thinking, oh, what was that missed tackle? Truly, anytime Hill has his name called, it seems like it's for a good reason. Yeah, he, he he's he's doing a really good job, and and I think that that's that's just a credit to his hard work. Obviously, coming in, he wasn't expected to do much this year. I, I think he was a he was a freshman last year, correct, or, or redshirt? He was, and he played some last year. But like you said, with Chester, he came in, played well in the Orange Bowl, and he gave up a lesser completion percentage in coverage than Kyir Elam a year ago. Granted. 12 targets compared to 23, but 12 targets is a decent sample size for a freshman. Yeah. <laughs> and, and this isn't actually just, just to, just to go back to Kyrie a little bit, this is an indictment on him. It's not as if Kyrie has been playing very poorly. It, it, it It's more of a credit to how Jadon's been playing. And I think that that's, that's kind of where they're going with it. They're trying to see who can get the most production out of that unit because it's a unit that's been not necessarily playing up to par. Um, the, the back end of, of the defense, the, the safeties, all of them work together. And, and it's it's going to be one of those things where we're going to have to find out very quickly if this is going to be the, the starting unit moving forward or if they're going to have to end up making some more changes. Uh, but for now, I feel like this is probably their best alignment and what they can do with the personnel they have. They, they don't have many other guys that, that can just come in. So if you're going to have a guy like Jadon who's, who's able to play outside and really – almost locked down a guy it, it 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 fits perfectly and then you have Kyrie on the out the other side and he's going to be an amazing player this year now texas a&m they they've got some guys that they can throw to calamon's got some targets like tight end jalen weidermeyer he's their leading receiver he had eight receptions against alabama which inflated it a bit but a good game uh, Chase Lane is another guy, nine receptions for 100 yards. Aeneas Smith, he play running back, he can play receiver. He's doing a bit of both, and he's electric with the ball in his hand, it seems. 18.8 yards per catch and 5.3 yards per carry. But the thing is, and granted, I have not done my full film study on Texas a and I, I will get that out there now, so I could be missing something totally. But we knew going in that Elijah Moore for Ole Miss, Shai Smith for South Carolina – were marquee weapons out of the slot. It doesn't seem like Texas A&M has that guy that you circle anywhere you go as a top target, especially out of the slot. And, you know, 
entering the season, Todd Grantham said Marco Wilson is the guy they want to move around because they're confident he could cover premier route runners. They could play him in the slot. They could play him outside. They will move him around, and they want him covering the number one guy if they can't. If they don't have that in the slot while they're naming him the starting star corner, it is going to be interesting to see if they have him on shadowing, if they have him playing a lot of zone, what exactly they plan on doing with him this week. Yeah, it is going to be interesting. And the thing is, this actually might be the game where the Gators secondary can get right. Because like you said, they don't have a Shai Smith. They don't have a Elijah Moore, a guy, guys that we know that are going to be getting their targets. They're going to be getting their uh, Manning targets. I mean, we saw it with uh, Smith having 12 catches, Moore having another 10, and he was far more explosive. But Right, and, and it, if – Texas A&M doesn't have that guy, then this could be a game where the Gators secondary can settle down a little bit. They don't have to worry necessarily about the wide receivers on the inside or, or the or the wide receivers on the outside too much because they don't. Texas A&M doesn't necessarily feature those guys. If this is a game where you're going to want to get your hands on the ball, it could be a sloppy game because of the, the hurricane that's supposed to be coming up there too. Mm-hmm. So if, if if there's one game that the Gators secondary needs to get themselves over the hunt, hump, Game, gain some more confidence, and this is it. I mean, you're coming into the game where only there, there's only one interception on the entire defense, and it comes from Jervon Dexter, who, as we all know, is a freshman who's only played around, you know, maybe how many would you say, 40 snaps total? I wouldn't, I wouldn't even. even bet that. he had. I, I haven't seen what he did against South Carolina, but he had 12 against Ole Miss. Right, so maybe 20 snaps max. And mm-hmm. so it, it, it's a to not get your hands on the ball that often, that's something where the Gators are going to have to change. You, you can't you can't go week in and week out without actually hitting, hitting the ball, getting it out of their hands, and, and, and getting it back to your offense, especially with how explosive this Gators offense is. You need your defenders to step up in that regard. So I think the Gators and, and, and everybody else will hope that this is the time where they're going to get right. I'll tell you what, next time I come on here on the mic, I will have my film review done of Texas A&M. So maybe I am wrong, and maybe they do have something that really will challenge the Gators secondary. But I'll tell you what, in week three, especially against a good team like this, with the rest of the schedule the way it's shaping up, they need a get-right game, and they need it to come early. So doing it on the road, especially where you can gain a little extra confidence and momentum, this, this seems like the week to do it before LSU comes into the swamp. And I, uh, I think that should just about do it for us here today at Locked On Gators. Make sure to stick around. We've got crossover episodes coming your way with Cole Thompson of Locked On Aggies. You will not want to miss that. And in order to make sure you hear it, make sure to go subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, just about anywhere you can listen to podcasts. We post a free link every day on Twitter from Megaphone. Uh, it's essentially LockedOnJaguars.com or LockedOnGators.com if you look that up you will be able to find all of our episodes for free. Make sure to go follow on Twitter at Zach underscore Goodall at Demetrius82 and at Locked on Gators, as well as all of our stuff over there for Sports Illustrated. You can find us at SI underscore All Gators and find us at allgators.com. We are bringing the content all the time, 24-7, 365 on the Florida Gators. You do not want to miss the stuff that we've got for you. Written content at Sports Illustrated, allgators.com. Content over the airwaves here at Locked on Gators. We'll catch you guys next time.